0: Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. I pray this week's sermon will guide you into a deeper understanding of the greatest news in the entire world, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We value the local church at Central Baptist. So while we are thrilled that you are streaming this sermon, we want to make sure that this never replaces your commitment to the local body of believers. If you are in the Maysville area, I am personally inviting you to be a guest at one of our weekly services. Come and join us. I promise you will love it. We are a church committed to loving God, loving each other, and loving our world. So if God is using this to impact your life, please consider partnering with us in spreading the message of Jesus to everyone on the earth. I hope this message helps fix your eyes on Jesus and drives you deeper into the gospel. The 19 and 31... A downtown Baptist church started a a mission in another part of town. In the middle of the the Great Depression, not many had transportation to, to drive down to the first Baptist church. So in an effort to reach the East End with the gospel, Tabernacle Baptist Church was established. Once the construction of the the Maysville-Aberdeen Bridge was completed. That office building was, was relocated from down on the river to the corner of Brook Street and Central Avenue. Then in, in 1950, the Temple Baptist was renamed Central Baptist Church. And decades of faithful ministry have taken place within and outside of the walls of these buildings. You we often say that, that CBC has been around for, oh, 88 years or so. But our history is much, much older than that. In fact, it goes back all the way to the first century, some 2,000 years ago. This morning, we are beginning a sermon series in the book of Acts that we are calling Be the Church. So as you are, are turning in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, go ahead and grab those and turn to Acts chapter 1, let me share with you a little background on this book that we call Acts. Acts describes the, the history of the mission of the early church. And it is because that we are a part of that church's early Church's history and mission. The Book of Acts is of great importance to us. The Acts is a book of history that is recorded by a man named Luke. Yes, that is the same Luke that wrote the Gospel of of Luke. And this historical book was was written somewhere around A.D. 62 during Paul's first imprisonment in Rome. And this book covers a a relatively short period of, of time, commentator Michael Green puts it this way, he said, three crucial decades in world history, that is all that it took. In the years between AD 33 and AD 64, a new movement was born. In those 30 years, it got sufficient growth and credibility to become the largest religion the world has ever seen and to change the lives of hundreds of millions of people. It has spread into every corner of the globe and has more than 2 billion putative adherents. It has had an indelible impact on civilization, on culture, on education, on medicine, on freedom, and of course on the lives of countless people worldwide. And the seedbed for all of this, the time when it took decisive root was in these three decades. It all began with a dozen men and a handful of women. And then the Spirit came. So we should study the book of Acts differently than we, we might read about the history of the American Revolution or of, of the Civil War Remember how moved I was when I visited Maysville for the first time and was kind of driving around to see all of the sites. and went up to, to old Washington, which predates even the state of, of Kentucky. And I was told that it was there in old Washington where Harriet Beecher Stowe looked through the trees. It's all slave block. This man was being auctioned off as a slave. and That's where she got the inspiration for For Uncle Tom's cabin. No, even when we read about history such as that, as moving as, as our history is, Acts is, is not merely a history of, of the early church. It's not something that just take place thousands of years ago. No, it is the history of the mission of the early church. And we are to continue that mission. So let's read this morning, Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. into heaven well, may God bless the, the reading of his holy holy word As so we see at the very first few words of this uh, book that that this is not Luke's first writing and if I know this is a continuation of Luke's previous work of uh, the gospel of Luke some people might even call this Luke part part two we see the name Theophilus. Now, we don't know much about this, this man, Theophilus, but he was likely a benefactor of Luke. He provided his salary so that Luke could go around and write his history. And he was also very possibly a, a Roman official for the way that that Luke addresses Theophilus. He could, be, he could be a believer, maybe a new believer, or maybe somebody who is just interested about knowing more about Jesus and, and Christians. Now Luke, Luke is, is not an, an apostle. I mean, sometimes we think because he, he wrote one of the, the Gospels that he was occluded among the twelve. He is, is not. In fact, he was a doctor. Uh, he was well educated and likely because of his, his position was, was wealthy. But Luke was a loyal friend to the apostle Paul, the reason why Luke's gospel and the book of Acts is included in the canon of scripture is because uh, the, the, the council that sought to give us the 66 books of, of the Bible felt that, that Luke was so close with the apostles and particularly that of Paul that it was considered to be not only authoritative but inspired, very word of, of God. And Luke was, was a prolific writer. Now, there's a reason why Luke's account of the Christmas story is the one that we read at Christmas, because, let's just say, Luke is a better writer than most of the other uneducated, uneducated uh, apostles who wrote the Gospels. So when you think of, of a historian, though, you, know, you, know, you often are probably thinking of this guy wearing his, his tweed jacket sitting in an unorganized office with books piled up to, to the ceiling. Well, Luke is more like Indiana Jones than he is a, a college professor. Uh, he investigated and he carefully interviewed those with key roles in Christ's life. See, Luke, Luke and, and in the book of Acts contains more information in it than all of Paul's letters combined. And we don't know a whole lot about Luke other than he was a doctor that he traveled with, with Paul. Because Luke doesn't, doesn't talk about himself. And this is a testament to his humility. And so all of this history reminds us that Christianity is not built upon man's speculation or on somebody's wild imaginings, but on historical revelation. It's built upon that Jesus Christ really did live He really died. He rose bodily. He appeared to hundreds of witnesses. And he taught for 40 days before ascending. Luke records details about the real life and ministry of Jesus, as well as insights into the beginning of the early church. And this is extremely important to us. Jesus died. He, He rose from the dead and after 40, He came back, and after 40 days, he ascended into heaven. But Jesus' ministry continues. See, in these first 11 verses, we, we see how Jesus' ministry continues throughout the church, even into 2019. But Jesus, his ministry continues by his words, and also by deeds, and that of the early church. Pastor John MacArthur states that two major factors contribute to the church's powerlessness today. First, many are ignorant of biblical truth. Second, those who may know biblical truth all too often fail to live by it. Many churches today in the world are are struggling. We have seen a, a decline and that is uh, the reason why I am uh, going on and seeking more education in church revitalization to take churches that are in that decline and see how work through the power of the Holy Spirit to, to see them to rebound. But as I read this quote from, from John MacArthur, it just really uh, hit me hard because we are to to be biblically grounded and sometimes and now we can seek to 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 grow a church by by watering down the truth of God's word we can do great marketing and we can seek to to make things motivational and make people feel good and for a period of time that may that may work but we must be grounded in God's word we must know his truth, the words—not of G, just Jesus, but all the divinely inspired words of God. But secondly, we must we must live it out. So I'm thankful for for Daniel and his and his words. Yes, we should use words in sharing the gospel and seeking to evangelize the lost. But if our words aren't backed up by how we live our lives. They're hollow. We might as well not even even say it. We can, we can attribute the decline of most churches either to, one, from abandoning the Bible, or two, they know the Bible, but they don't live by it. As a parent, words that we, we often say is that to listen and obey. Oftentimes, as kids, they know right from wrong. They know what they should do and what not to do. But for some reason, and it's our own depraved heart, and we as adults face the same thing, is that we know what we're supposed to do, but we still don't do it. Pastor Tony Marita says this, that Jesus was all about teaching and doing. Jesus' deeds illustrated his words, and his words explained his deeds. He left the church with the same ministry, intending that we let others see our good deeds that glorify the Father and helping others understand the good news that leads to eternal life. This is the mission of the church. It is the great co-mission Many churches now hire consultants to come up with with detailed uh, mission statements and vision statements. But we've already been given the mission of of the church. Our problem is, is that we're just not fulfilling that mission that he has given us. See, the church is witness continues the church 's witness continues in, in uh, verse one, chapter one, verse eight, and this is often one that leads us into, uh, into our mission focuses it 's that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the very end of the earth. The rest of the book of Acts is how God's word spreads throughout the nations. See in chapters one through seven how it spread to Jerusalem, and chapters eight through twelve, how it spread to Judea and Samaria, in chapters thirteen through twenty, how it spread to the ends of the earth, and in the historical context which would be Asia and Greece. And then chapters twenty one through twenty eight, how the gospel spread to Rome see we as as modern disciples of jesus we participate in and enjoying this message of life with the very first apostles we get to share in the same message that grew the very first church and that should give us great hope the people who witness well that is all believers. See, one of the great benefits of the gospel is that all believers can now speak for God. Now, it's not left up to, to, the, to the pastor or to the, the priest. It's not up to the, left up to the, 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 those that are educated. No, all believers are now able to share the gospel this past week I was with a, a pastor who is pastors a church up in, in Washington, DC area. We were talking about revivals. He said that he had a, a pastor, a friend of his and just down the road from him. They have four revivals every year, one one a quarter. And he said every single revival they have people that, that come to put their faith in, in Jesus Christ. And he said, one thing that that pastor does is he says, those that have put their faith in Christ at that revival, he puts them in charge of the next revival. And we might think that's kind of counterintuitive. Why would, in the world, would we put somebody who is a, a new believer and kind of in, in charge, the leaders of, of the next revival? And he said, he said this, he said, I find that new believers are the most passionate about their faith. He said, sadly... Those as we, we grow older and more mature in our faith, we we kind of rest on our our laurels a little bit, we feel like you know what i'm maybe this is uh, 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 beneath me in order to invite somebody to Christ, or maybe we just don 't don 't know any unbelievers, but the thing about us about somebody who was saved uh, who was lost and now is saved is usually they 're the ones that know the most on believers i want us to to think this morning think about that time when when you were saved for me it was as an eight-year-old little boy i remember that that night i've shared it several times that sunday night revival service and after the service was over after we did uh did the line where everybody came and shook your hand you know the old ladies pinched cheeks got several kisses as well and um we weren't worried about the flu back in 1990 um but I remember that that night I went home and and I got on the phone and I started calling people. <laughs> I was a, it was an eight year old boy. I rarely picked up the, the the phone, but I started calling people to tell them that I had become a a Christian. I remember the excitement that I had in my in my life, and and for many of of you, it, it's probably something very similar. We were more uh, zealous. In our faith, when we were first saved, maybe it 's because we just didn't didn't know any better uh and uh, but God uses all believers to take part in in his mission you don 't have to go through a, a seminary class in order to feel like you're 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 comfortable enough to actually to serve no he if you look at the the the, the disciples, he used uneducated untrained, willing men. Of God, sometimes we one of the the, the dangers that I, I I can see of of, of studying too much uh, is that uh, we can we can think of our job is to, to gain in in knowledge, and if we 're not careful, it can even happen in how we we study about about missions I am as a sharer, I am amazingly grateful that that we have uh, have surpassed that that goal for the Lottie Moon, not just at a little bit, but, I mean, we've raised $1,000 in in one day. It shows you how God can move in us. I'm grateful that we we hear about the missionaries and we get to study and have our studies, but if we're not careful, we can think our job is to, to sit back and to support others to be able to do evangelism. We think that it's the job of the, the super Christian to go across the world to, to serve as a, a missionary. We think it's the job of, of the pastor or of our deacons to, to go door to door sharing the gospel with, with people. And that is definitely a, a, a part of it. All right, We are definitely called to raise money and to give. We need to know about missions. We need to study that. But knowledge without action is not at all what God has called us to do. See, the apostles, they certainly led in the church, but the gospel advanced largely through the words and the deeds of unordained and uneducated people. They were informal Missionaries. This morning, every single believer here in this church is a missionary. You don't have to have a seminary degree. You don't have to go through training. You don't have to be uh, appointed by the International Mission Board to be a missionary. No, we are all missionaries. The only difference is the believer sitting in his or her American home and, and a foreign missionary out on the field... The only difference is location, not identity. So each of us should ask this question this morning. Where do I serve? To whom do I minister? For some of you, that may mean that you need to to go across the world. You know one of the the groups of of believers that that, uh, our international mission board is looking to reach to take the gospel to the ends of the earth? Recently retired people. Now some people are retiring in the 40s, 50s, even 60s. People are living longer than they ever have, and we find that one is that the biggest uh, barrier to taking the gospel to the nations is the cost of money that it takes to get them there. Uh, but guess what? Retired people have—they have a pension. They have a retirement account. They don't require as much funding from the cooperative program to send them. Think about it. If you're 60 years old and you recently retired, you've got a good 10 to 20 years at at worst, if not best, even longer to take the gospel to the ends of, of the earth. But we also see that we do not witness on our own. We have power in our mission and that is the Holy Spirit. Are you scared to share your faith with others? The apostles were. (laughs) And after after Jesus came back, they were all holed up in a room, cowering at the fear of what might happen to them. But fortunately, we are not on our own in the mission that Jesus has assigned us to. See, Luke reminds us once again of the Spirit's power. The ordinary power, People of God, equipped with the Word of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, can accomplish the mission of God. With the power of the Holy Spirit comes a boldness and a magnification of Jesus. I mean, just think, at the time of the writing of Acts, uh, Peter was just a few weeks from cowering in front of this little girl denying his faith that he never even knew Jesus. And now he is preaching in front of thousands of people. The people also need a witness. We witness to the nation. See, Christ died for the nations. He died for those of us here in Maysville, Those of us in the United States, but he died for those that are in Africa, in Asia, in South America. I've heard people say at times, why do we send so much money overseas? I mean, when we have people right here in America that are suffering, oftentimes those people are the ones that aren't generous at all with their their, their money, My response to that is, yes, there are needs here in America that we need to support. There are people all across this world are dying. And apart from somebody going to them and sharing the gospel with them are destined for hell. We also have a passion of a witness. That passion is our passion for Jesus Pastor Marie also says that a zeal for the kingdom comes only when we have a passion for the king. As the disciples gazed into heaven in astonishment of Jesus' glory, as they later received Jesus' promise of the Spirit's power, they were enamored with Jesus. And we should have a similar attitude toward him because to phrase things negatively, Little love for the king produces little zeal for the king's mission. It all starts with our love for Christ and recognition of what Christ did for us on the cross. So as we conclude this, I want to leave you with some questions, some things to, to think about. How would you rate your love for Jesus? How would you rate your, your love for, for Christ? Do you find that you're doing things, you're coming to church out of obligation or are you doing it out of, of love for what He has done for you but, but also for, for how you have loved Him? Secondly, do you see yourself as, as a missionary? Do you see yourself as as someone who is called just as the apostles were back 2,000 years ago in the first century, do you see yourself as, as a missionary? Whether that means that, that you are to be a missionary at your place of work, in your school, in your neighborhood. Maybe God's called you to, to move to another state, to go across the world for the spread of the gospel. What are you doing to see people come to Christ in your home, in Maysville, around the country and around the world? Don't forget, we do not do any of this on our own. But we must rely fully on the Holy Spirit. Are you living in the Holy Spirit? Are you trusting in Him to give you that boldness to to go out to to make disciples of all nations? Is our church embracing the power of the Holy Spirit to lead us to be this light to the east end of Maysville? Sometimes it's good for us to remember where we came from. Now I am, I am grateful for those faithful members at First Baptist Church We sought to to start a mission here up the road just a few miles for the purpose of of reaching this area for the gospel. May we continue that mission that that has been ordained not just since 1931, not just back to A.D. 62, but since the beginning of time. This is God's plan A. And I don't know about you, but I'm excited to be a part of it, and I pray that we will be faithful to Him. As I close, I, I just want to uh, share a quote with you of of encouragement. <clears throat> Come from uh, Robert Murray McShane. Uh, you may not be familiar with uh, McShane, but he is, was a pastor back in the early 1800s in in Dundee, Scotland, at Saint Peter's Free Church. Things about Robert Murray McShane is. He died when he was 29 years old. I wish that he had a long life, but he did more in 29 years than I've done in my time and likely do in my the rest of my my days. But my dad knows that I uh, I appreciate McShane, and for Christmas he he found a collection of his memoirs. So before he died, he wrote a memoir. And this memoir comes from 1844. And, uh, and I've been reading, reading through that memoir. And I came across this quote. And it says, Do not forget the culture of the inner man. I mean the heart. How diligently the cavalry officer keeps his saber clean and sharp. Every stain he rubs off with the greatest care. Remember, you are, are God's sword, his instrument. I trust a chosen vessel unto him to bear his name in great measure according to the purity and perfections of the instrument will be the success. It is not great talents God blesses so much as great likeness to Jesus. A holy minister is an awful weapon in the hand of god may we trust in the holy spirit may we seek to be like jesus and may god use us as a weapon not to bring death but to bring everlasting life to those who need to hear it would you pray with me please Oh, gracious Lord, we gather here this morning to receive your word. God, we are thankful for the history that we have in your your holy word. But God, we do not read the Bible as as a historical account as we might read that of, of academia. But God, we are a part of the mission that started back in the first century church. God, you have been faithful throughout the generations, throughout the decades and centuries and millennia. And God, here and now, this little slice of moment in time, you have called us your faithful witnesses to take the gospel through the power of the Holy Spirit to our Judea, Jerusalem, Samaria, to the ends of the world. God, I pray that we would be faithful to you. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. God is inviting you to be a part of this story he is writing throughout the ages to come. He is offering salvation to you today, which is your invitation to the rescue God offers. You can embrace the rescue of God by simply admitting your need to God, asking Him to forgive you, trusting in Jesus alone to rescue you, and following Jesus Christ, the King of your life and faith from this day forward. If you would like to give your life to Jesus, go to God in prayer and confess your need for Him and that you choose to follow Him. If you have chosen to follow Jesus, please let us know. We want to continue to pray for you and to send you some resources to help you to grow in your faith. Well, I hope you enjoyed this sermon, and I look forward to seeing you in person at one of our weekly services. Could you do me a favor? Please like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash cbcmaysville and share or comment on the things that we post, because it helps others to hear about Jesus. God bless.